G'day and welcome to episode 26 of Out on the Paddock. It's 2024. It's great to have you joining us. This is a podcast all about WA country cricket. It's history, it's legends, it's characters and the many opportunities for you to be connected with WA regional cricket in many, many forms. And it is that aspect that we're going to tap into today hearing from two special guests about the opportunities for players over 40, 50 and beyond to keep playing cricket and staying connected in the form of veterans cricket, both here in regional WA and in fact, more so on a national stage and possibly an international stage. My name is Rob Marshall and I've been fortunate to be involved and helped lead the charge with veterans cricket here in regional WA for over a decade or more now. However, more recently, I have been able to participate at a state level and have lived the dream myself of representing the black and gold of WA in five national carnivals, including being part of the WA team that won the Australian National Over 50s title in 2017 in Sydney, New South Wales the only WA team so far to win a national title at that level. Here in regional WA, a number of opportunities exist every season for players over 40 and beyond to participate in veterans cricket and discover a whole new world of playing, having fun and enjoying reliving reliving old times and making new networks. Our annual WA Country Masters Carnival held in Bunbury, and in the Donnybrook region each year, has grown significantly over the past 12 years since it started, increasing every year with teams representing associations from the northwest of WA right through to the Midwest, Peel, Southwest, Great Southern, Wheatbelts and Goldfields. Our annual David Nat Cup played every year between the WA Country 40s Uh, the Masters, as we call them, the Masters 11, and the WA Country Colts is a highly sought-after fixture each summer, as is now the over 50s, 60s and 70s country versus city matches also played annually. WA Country Cricket now offers pathways from junior regional representation through to our Country Colts 11, our illustrious WA Country 11, our Masters 11, as I mentioned, and beyond, making for opportunity to go all the way with WA Country Cricket if that's your passion and desire. So sit back now as we hear from a boy from Harvey, and it's not me, a a fabulous gentleman called Nathan King, who at one point only recently was sitting at home thinking cricket might be winding down for him to suddenly representing his state at a national level and then even more suddenly becoming the Australian coach of the national over-40s team at a World Cup in Pakistan. Wow, it's a stunning story. And then at the back end of this episode, we hear from a gentleman, Anthony Telfer, who is redefining veterans cricket here in Australia in an amazing way and tapping into the very reasons why you should consider staying involved with cricket well past your 40s, we reckon, and the spirit of cricket, the thing that we hear and talk about sometimes, he's taking that to a whole new level. And it's never been stronger right now in veterans cricket, not only here in WA, but across Australia. 
It's my thrill to uh, have Nathan King joining us on today's episode of Out on the Paddock. Uh, Kingy, as he's known, and we'll rock with uh, Kingy today probably, uh, has had an amazing journey in his cricket uh, to date and probably culminating in every person's dream, and that's to uh, have the opportunity to go and be involved in a World Cup, um, the Australian over-40s World Cup. And as we put a little bit of a lens in this episode on the opportunities around veterans cricket here in Western Australia in particular and more broadly, absolutely thrilled to have Nathan King joining us today on Out of the Paddock. Thank you very much, Rob. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. There's been some some big names before me and, and no doubt there's going to be some bigger names after me. So it's uh, an absolute pleasure to be out on the paddock. Yeah, mate, I don't know if we've had any uh, Australian coaches, though, on out on the paddock. So don't, uh, don't talk it down too much. <laughs> um, we, we're obviously going to put a, a real lens on that and a focus on on how that came about and, and in particular anybody listening in today going, how do I get involved with veterans cricket at all the different levels? Yep. Um, and in particular, we're going to focus on your journey into the over 40s in particular. But before we do, how did Nathan King even get to that point in the first place? Where did it all start for Nathan King? Wow. Um I'm just a boy from the bush. Um, I'm born and raised in Harvey. Um, as a lot of people probably listening, started out playing junior cricket. I mean, I think I remember my first game as a five-year-old on roll-out carpet um, <laughs> at the local primary school. Um, from there, just all through juniors, uh, loved, loved playing cricket, loved the people that you got to meet. Um, went through the junior pathways with junior country weeks senior cricket at club level and then sort of um, hit my late teens and and had a football injury, that, that other mongrel sport, <laughs> um, and that sort of ended the, the cricketing journey for me for a long time and uh, family happens and, and kids come along and uh, moved to a, a quiet country town in Burrakup and um, an ex-Harvey person was living there and said, well, why don't you come down and have a have a bit of a hit for the um, for the local team, so that reinvigorated the the love of the sport, and that was probably a good sixteen or so years ago. I'm I'm assuming or remembering, um, and then from there, yeah, it was just back into club cricket land and following the journey with the with the three sons um, into the junior space and coaching in the junior space through that same pathway that I followed through junior country week and. Had some some brilliant opportunities with the uh, West Australian cricket or, or the Wacker Pathways as it was back then um, to do my level one, my level two uh, coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, at, at the hoe of West Australian cricket, the Wacker, um, and then from there had an opportunity to coach uh, a Southwest representative team. Um, from there, the over forties sort of came about at the back end of that stage. So, so, so before you get into that, I'll, I'll jump in. I'm keen to to sort of just wind it back a little bit. We will we will focus on that in a moment, but um, I'm going to call up for the listeners. Uh, a lot of people say, Rob, how do you seem to have connections everywhere? So I'm going to call it. I grew up in seven at seven Pete Street in Harvey. Yes. Do you want to tell them the street you grew up in? Uh, it was number one Pete Street. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just down the road. <laughs> just down the road. So 
I really am keen to get into understanding how, and certainly plenty listening in will want to know, I would think, how you got to coaching and how you got to end up being a coach of the Australian over-40s team. Were there influences that you can remember back in Harvey growing up that sort of you now look back now and go, they clearly had, you know, some acumen or some things that they did that you now uh, replicate or or copy perhaps or have definitely been influenced by and I can't help but think of your dad straight up. Do you want to tell us about Bob? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the old man, rest his soul, he um, was very instrumental. He was always happy to to throw balls at me in the backyard and go down and watch him play in Harvey and at the bowling club. And so, yeah, I mean, there's so, so many um playing pairs cricket in a little competition in, in Harvey where teaming up with whoever was close to you at the time. Um, I think it was myself as a 13, 14-year-old teaming up with Richie Green. Um, I think we went on to win the, win the carnival or win the tournament. Yeah, so you, you've actually, this is what I love about this podcast is you, um, every guest seems to almost remind me of things that I've forgotten about, double-wicket cricket. Double, I'd, yeah. I'd completely forgotten about double-wicket cricket. That was quite popular, wasn't it, when I remember it now in the 80s and 90s in particular. It was well before T20 came along. Yeah, well before. And quite often mid-season teams would go, you know, let's just have a weekend of double-wicket cricket and it would start on a Saturday morning and go all day Saturday and then into Sunday and... It'd be elimination from memory. Yes. You'd sort of, you would have your pair, your Richie Green, yeah, you mentioned Green. the Green family, a famous family also from Harvey in creating circles and you might play Dave and Rob Marshall or whatever and if you knock us out, you you, you go to the next, to the next, next round. round. Yeah, so forgot about that and probably when you think about it, that was a, a form of cricket that we... Um, yeah, honed skills that you'd now recognise as being T20. Because it was all a Super 8. Super 8, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, because there was no no fielding restrictions or anything like that because it was just you versus a couple other people. Other people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember um, as we did back in the day, as a youngster, you'd, you'd rack off after breakfast on your bike and you'd disappear and yeah, as long as you were home before the street lights came on, you, you were doing pretty well, but um, I think... Um, I remember someone either ringing on the on the home line to to mum and dad, and all of a sudden they rocked up. We must have been doing pretty well. I had a had a half a chance of winning the tournament, so um, all of a sudden they rocked up and they started cheering from the sidelines. So <laughs> uh, excellent. So we clearly what you learnt in Harvey, and in a lot of cases it was like you said at the Harvey Primary School on a hard wicket. You know, pretty wasn't exactly the whacker. Um, but there were certain things that, you know, if you look back now, you, you, you reflect on fondly. Oh, absolutely. Um, walking three or four doors up, um, the, the only backyard cricket net that I ever remember playing on was um, as, at the Marshall's house. So um, I remember spending many an hour at that, um, at the backyard net. Um, and I, I must have had... 30,000 people throw balls at me unless there was a, a, a bowling machine there. I, I can't remember that that vividly, but I just remember standing there trying to hit as many balls out into the back paddock as I could. So, 
Um, so you actually called it nicely. Another memory that's just come through is that I'm pretty certain that Harvey Western Australia was one of the first places that ever got a what we now know as a bowling machine. My dad brought in one that was a baseball bowling machine. The first thing we had to do was get the local electrician to t- turn it into the phase of electricity that we could actually run in Australia. Um, wow. And then, yeah, you're right. We uh, we used to roll that out on the on the turf wicket, the turf wicket in, the, yeah. in the backyard, um, which when I look back now, I just took as being normal, but clearly wasn't very normal. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. So you mentioned you you've moved to Borough Cup. So what does cricket look for you look like for you now? Before we do jump into how you got into the over forties, Borough Cup Cricket Club. It's your classic country cricket club. Yeah, absolutely. Um, small country town, um, small country club. Couple of seniors teams. When I um, when I first joined, I think we had two seniors teams. Spending time there, um, as sort of everyone does, just sort of get more involved in committees and and um, before I knew it, I was I was heading up the club as president in the president's role. The club has now flourished. Uh, we've got two senior men's teams, a women's team, uh, four junior teams across multiple age groups. Um, so it's been a, a fantastic journey to to witness how a small country club can get such a big following and sort of go leaps and bounds and, and sort of almost uh, instill or secure a future almost with because uh, we're not getting any younger and yeah. um, we need those younger brigades and those younger players coming through and, and hopefully with those those four younger age groups coming through, we've sort of set ourselves up for a little bit of a a longer future than we may have if we if we just kept with the with the same old, same old. So it's one of the things that still um, inspires me is to see small communities. We you know, I was able to go and watch my son play against you guys a couple of weeks ago and just to, you know, sort of sit there and then walk down and uh, buy a pie from the only shop that's in the with town. Yeah. And yeah, and to be able to come back and literally, you know, the only people watching the game were surrounding the ground with cars and, you know, there's a few campers there that were yep. watching and stuff like that. It, that to me is country cricket. It yeah. really, really is country Pretty cricket. And yeah, absolutely love it. So love what Borough Cup Cricket Club are doing. You've also got a women's presence now, is that correct? Yeah, so last year we we entered a, into the women's foray and they've taught me... Um, some things, just the the love and the enjoyment of the game that I'd probably lost or or had forgotten about that junior love of the game, about making your first run, about taking your first catch, um, the nervousness of um, I just got to get the ball on the pitch, or, or I've just got to get the ball up to the batter so the batter can hit it. You know those little victories that we sort of taken for granted. Yeah. Um, was sort of put back into the front of my mind with the women's team coming through. Um, I mean, they're, they're grown adults um, who are starting their cricketing journey like a five- or a six-year-old would through the Blasters program that we've got now. Yeah. So yep. it's been a, a very interesting um, couple of years with them and if if I could bottle their enthusiasm and, yeah, you'd... you'd it makes squillions off it. So 
um, yeah, they they've been fantastic to to be involved with. So let's let's get to the thread of of this particular episode of out on the paddock and start to examine a bit more. The journey for veterans cricket has been predominantly up until recent times, mostly focused around over 50s, 60s and 70s. But in the last few years, we've seen the rise of over 40s. In country cricket, we've had um, the over 40s Masters Carnival going since 2012. And we've had uh, the David Nat Cup match, which um, is played annually between the effectively what we call our country masters, which is over 40s, and the country Colts. In some ways, country WA has led the way with 40s, but there's never really been opportunity beyond that. How did how are things now positioned? What if if you're listening in right now, or someone's listening in right now, and they're 43 and they've thought their cricket career is behind them, and there's no real opportunity? What what are the opportunities now? Yeah. Um, I'll admit that I was probably one of them thinking that my my cricketing days would be with club cricket. It wasn't until um, a family through, or actually my, my brother-in-law, um, Kim Rush, he mentioned to me that they were having um, training up in, in Perth for an over-40s cricket team, um, which sort of sparked my interest of um, digging a little deeper and Turns out it was the, the West Australian over 40s and there was a competition starting up Australia-wide for the over 40s national champs um, and it was going to be held later that year in Central Coast New South Wales. So the inquisitive mind sort of went, well, hang on yet, there's a, there's a chance to represent the state, yeah. uh, something that I never did as a, as a junior and let's dip the toe in and, and see where it leads. So, yeah, um, Took a drive to Perth, went to a couple of training sessions, met a couple of the guys, and and next thing you know, I'm jumping on a plane with West Australian gear on and heading over to the central coast of, of New South Wales to to represent the state in a in a Divi One team. So the black and gold, the black and gold, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolute thrill. So from that point, then how did things evolve? Suddenly, within twelve months, you're on a plane to Pakistan. Do you want to explain how that all came about? Yeah, well, it, it kind of started on that same trip across to, to the Central Coast. While we were over there, they they sort of had in their mind that this uh, Pakistan trip was was going to come up and it was going to be the inaugural over 40s World Cup. Um, if anyone was interested in taking on an Australian selectors role, because obviously that's all brand new, there's there's no national selectors for the age group, there's no coaches, there's no managers, um, it's all brand new. Um, if you want to get involved, put your name on a piece of paper and put it in the hat. Uh, being an Australian selector, sure, absolutely. <laughs> I'll stick my name on a piece of paper and throw it in the hat. So did that, forgot all about it and played the national championships out. Came back home probably a month later, got a phone call from... Um, the man who would be the, the VCA chairman, mm-hmm. um, Mr Andrew Knight, and he said, hey, look, you've, you've put your name on a piece of paper here about being an Aussie selector. Are you still interested? I thought, well, absolutely, yeah. Let me think about it for half a second. Um, <laughs> so he, he sent through some forms to fill out, which is just a bit of background about where I've come from and who I am. Um, and then he sort of rang up a week later and said, well, we've had a look through all the 
the nominees and we'd like you to come over to Queensland. We're having a tryout for the Pakistan team. In the interim, the, the team that was the team of the tournament from the original over 40s had gone across to New Zealand uh, to play in the, the first international over 40s matches. Um, so there they flew across to Brisbane with a couple of other selectors and sort of met the team and met the, the nominees and watched everyone try out for a weekend and sort of one thing led to another and they were in search of a coach and they, they sort of said, well, we know your skill sets, we've had a look at your brief, we've had a look at your background, uh, would that be something that you'd like to come across and, and be the Australian coach to go to Pakistan? Did you have to kind of at that point go out the back of somewhere and sort of pinch yourself? Is yeah, that, what? that that was... <laughs> <laughs> I hate using the term, but that was when the surreal moment yeah. really started. Uh, <laughs> and I I sort of said, look, let me have a think on it. Um, in other words, let me go home and speak to the family. Um, and then when I told my lovely wife about it, I think about a week later she stopped laughing and going, <laughs> how has the boy from the bush uh, just been offered the Australian coach's position? So, uh, yeah, still almost pinching myself to this day going, what a, an unbelievable opportunity for for a young fella from from downtown Harvey who walked three doors up the road to borrow someone else's backyard net. <laughs> so you're on the plane. You're Had you met many of the guys before or you'd maybe played against them the year before, had you? Or Yeah, yeah. So I'd played against um, most of them. Um, and obviously certainly met them all yep. over in Brisbane at the at the trials. Yep. Yeah, one other boy from um, from West Australia was, was selected, so we flew from Perth across to Melbourne to join the rest of the team. We all gathered in, in Melbourne to fly out to, um, to Karachi from there. Yeah, and I think everyone was in a very similar uh, frame of mind on the... Probably wasn't the first leg of the flight, but the, the flight from Sri Lanka to Pakistan where we were pretty much the only people on the plane, it sort of got a little bit <laughs> a little bit real that, um, jeepers, we're, we're just about to represent our, our country here and, and we're a baggy green and, yeah, got, got to Karachi Airport, pretty quiet airport, uh, five or six immigration officers working the desks and the first of the Aussies goes up to immigration and hands over the passport checks the passport against his face, slams the passport down on the desk and the Aussie guy goes, oh, jeepers, what's going on here? Calls him in nice and close with his finger, so in he leans, out comes the phone, it's selfie time. <laughs> All the other immigration officers close their booths and they come over and it's just selfie central. So a passionate culture for their cricket over there, even us old farts were getting selfies aplenty. So <laughs> that was before we'd even left the airport and got through immigration. Um, certainly an eye-opener from from everyone's point of view. So you rock up. Um, was there like a ceremony to kick the, the tournament off and, you know, were there sort of, you know, functions to attend and stuff like that before you got going or was it straight into the cricket? No, no, we, um, we landed a few days before the tournament started. Um, we were met like absolute royalty over there. We had police escorts. Um, wow. We had a, a police motorbike in front of our, our coaster bus. Uh, behind that police escort was a military uh, ranger's van. Um, inside that ranger's van were five guys wielding AK-47s. Uh, then there was us. Uh, then there was another ranger's vehicle behind our bus. 
and a final police vehicle behind that. Uh, all the roads were closed off for us, so we never had to stop at any traffic. Um, absolute royalty. So you say absolute royalty, but does that reflect, I mean, many of us here that it's not really a safe country in Pakistan? Were you, was there concerns about that? Is there a reason for that? Did they, were they worried that somebody might try and do something because you're Australian or well, I what? I think just purely because of their sort of hiatus off the international cricket scene yeah. for so long, um, they wanted to make sure that everything went off without a hitch. Yep. Um, so they went above and beyond to make sure that our stay was as safe and secure as as it could be. And, and did you ever feel unsafe at any point? Never. No, no never. Uh, it was exceptionally well organised. Um, we had the pleasure of meeting the um, Australian High Commissioner to Pakistan, His Excellency Neil Balkans. He came down and caught up with us in Karachi and... Uh, we had lunch with him and uh, then we went across in a, in a secured cavalcade to watch the Karachi Girls Cup, which is a, a tournament that they hold for underprivileged girls of, of Karachi. Uh, Mr Jalaluddin, he runs the, um, the tournament. Uh, so we went and spent the day running drills on the sideline for underprivileged girls of Karachi and, and yeah, well. rubbing shoulders with Jabad, me and dad and... Another one of those magical, uh, <laughs> surreal moments of having to pinch yourself and say, am I really... Yeah. Well, you weren't in Pete Street Harvey right about then. That's no, sure. no, no. <laughs> that's wild. Definitely wasn't. I was a little bit warmer than Pete Street Harvey, I must admit. So uh, what, that's the next question I wanted to ask you. The conditions, the pitches, you know, we've seen, you know, when Australia played, uh, I think, a test series there last year, you know, <laughs> the pitches looked pretty dry and flat and... You know, not exactly, um, again, Harvey-type wickets, I suppose, but um, what, what was your take on the facilities in particular that you guys played at? Uh, I think the first six or seven days we were there, it was 38-plus degrees and 90-plus humidity. Wow. Um, so from my standpoint, as, as a coach sitting on the sideline in as much shade as I could, um, it was fine. It was absolutely beautiful weather, but... Um, <laughs> I don't think the guys running around out in the field could say the same. Um, the ovals were rock hard. Yeah. Um, the decks were very dry, um, very dusty. If they did have grass covering on them, it was only very thin and minor. And um, it took a little bit about getting used to for, for our guys. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our seamers sort of had to change up their, their bowling styles and their bowling um, mantras to... To combat it, uh, we did have two international friendly matches ahead of the tournament uh, against Canada and Hong Kong, uh, which we sort of used as acclimatisation and, and to give the, our guys the opportunity to wear a baggy green before the tournament actually kicked off. Um, so they had those nerves of, of playing for their country out of the way in an international friendly. But, yeah, certainly not, not uh, Harvey Lush or... Uh, and the standard of the cricket... Once you got going, was it, a, you know, so again, for a guy listening in, obviously somebody listening in right now who's going, gee, I didn't know I could potentially still pull on a baggy green. The level of cricket at the national championships, say, that you played for Western Australia against the other states compared to what it went to when you went with the Pakistan team, another level again, was it, or very similar? or? Well, 
I would say it's another level purely based on the number of ex-international cricketers that opposition had. Right. Do you have any, would that be names? We, we didn't have any in the Australian team. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of guys that had represented Australia at under-19s level. Right. But certainly not at international test type of level for, for, for seniors. Um, Abdul Razak made us look pretty ordinary when we played against <laughs> Pakistan in 40 overs. It hit 195 chanceless runs. Uh, Amazing to watch. Um, Mohammed Sami, um, yeah, there's, there's probably oh, yeah, too many to, to think of off the top of my head, but I think Pakistan had four or five ex-international cricketers. There's a couple from the US, a couple from Canada, expat um, Pakistan internationals. So, yeah. We've so, seen these. But the, the end result was that the guys were able to compete. The Australian team was able to compete pretty well from what I saw. Yeah, we finished uh, finished third. Yep. Um, we dropped a, a couple of games early to the USA and uh, had a washout against Canada that we probably um, ended up hurting us at, at the final. Um, but, yeah, we, we walked away in third position um, against some very quality Opposition. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure if you had the opportunity to interview some of the the guys in future episodes um, that went on that uh, Karachi tour, their their take may be slightly different to mine. Um, but I'm sure they've all had very similar upbringings of a, a boy from the sticks or a boy from downtown Frio or yeah, um, or a guy from Mackay. You know, just unbelievable. Um, and everyone sort of had that same joy uh, come that, that the grand final, that that third place playoff. Um, I guess just bringing this to an end because we could, oh, well, I'm sure we could uh, talk forever about uh, your experiences there, which are just exceptional. But if we wind it back a bit, somebody listening in right now who is 40, 41 or 47, yep. whatever it might be, who perhaps has drifted out of the cricket zone for a little while and now is hearing this and going, how do I get back in? What sort of options do they have? Is it a matter of we've got the WAVC, the Australian Veterans Cricket, which is now a stakeholder in the same vein as WA Country Cricket is and um, Premier Cricket and all the other stakeholders? Um, Could somebody... Perhaps reach out to you. We could put your details in our show notes or something like that. Or is there somebody, a conduit in the 40s that you could recommend that somebody could reach out to? Yeah, by all means. If, if people want some more information, um, reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to field any questions. Um, we've got Samit War, who's our over 40s representative on the WAVC. Um, a good time to get really involved and excited about the over 40 space. Um, we're potentially going to be the hosts of the over 40 national championships at the end of this year. So wow. potentially set November this year. Um, we may be looking to hold the national championships in Perth for the over 40s age bracket. So if, if you're listening and you're over 40 and, and under 50, um, certainly reach out, get involved. Um, the more the merrier. It's a, it's a fantastic opportunity. Well, we'll make sure that we provide some avenues through this podcast and other avenues to, for people to 
find out how they can do that. There's usually, I'm guessing, trial matches or some opportunities where you can come along and find out a little bit more or, or participate in a training or something along those sort of lines. So we'll, we'll definitely keep our those of you who have suddenly pricked your ears up and gone, yeah, I wouldn't mind a chance at this, an opportunity at this to to be able to to come along and be involved. I can't help but finish. We we are starting a new year on our, out on the paddock. We're just uh, a couple of months in and we, um, we like to have a little bit of fun with our guests. So I've got a new... Uh, thing for this year that I'm calling dodgy singles, okay? Now, uh, anybody who's played country cricket surely has been at the <laughs> at the rough end of a dodgy single. So it's the, di- the guy who you're batting with who's up the strikers there that pushes it straight to cover and runs because he wants to be on strike at the, at the end. It's the end of the over. He, over. he wants to be on strike and, yes. yeah, it's unlucky for you that you happen to be the guy who gets run out. So a couple of dodgy singles here, a couple of quick, short, sharp questions about Nathan King. Sure. Okay. Uh, Every country cricketer, most country cricketers, uh, rock up to Saturday afternoon cricket in a lot of cases maybe as, and certainly you, I know this of you, has coached all morning or been somewhere else involved in cricket and you rush to the game. Yep. Um, It's usually around lunchtime when cricket kicks off somewhere in regional WA. What, what's in the Saturday afternoon lunchbox at cricket? You know, for me, it's well, predominantly been, you know, some of the leftover chicken from takeaway night the night before or perhaps a, a banana sandwich. Uh, you know, my son Justin, he's got the nickname Toasty because he, he insists that mum has to bring him over a toasty sandwich for, for lunch wherever he's playing. What's in Nathan King's Saturday lunchbox? I, I am very fortunate. I... I do know it's supposed to be a short, sharp answer, but I am very fortunate that my beautiful wife, Amber, um, looks after all of us cricketers. She's a cricketer herself. She plays in our Borough Cup team. Um, But she makes sure Friday night ritual is, what does everyone want for lunch tomorrow? Uh, Have you got enough fruit packed? Uh, (laughs) Where's the muesli bars? So Well organised. In that regard, she's... uh, a, a blessing in, in that regard. Because just calling out, adding to that, you've you also got three sons who are currently playing senior cricket. Have I got that right? Correct. Yeah. I, I had the pleasure of playing um, a game in early in the season with my youngest, so he's finally qualified to play senior cricket. Yep. Uh, that's Archer. So Archer. I, I played a, a um, an E-grade game with him at the start of the year and I've had the pleasure for the back half of this year to play in the same team as my two older boys, so Henry and Toby. Yeah. Um, talking about barbecues, so I, I happened to run Toby out last week, so... I was there, uh, saw sorry, it. Sorry, Toby. Um, <laughs> saw it and thought, that's not going to end well tonight around the tea time. No. Uh, anyway, no. we won't go too far into that. So, okay, so the lunchbox is well organised, unlike... Well and truly. Unlike... Yep. Toasty Marshall, where has to rely on <laughs> mum to bring it over on a, Sunday, on a Sunday afternoon. He's not complaining, by the way. No. She, she makes a pretty, well, Jackie pretty makes a pretty toasty. mean toasty, yeah. Okay, second question of our dodgy singles. What's the most bizarre thing you've seen on a cricket field? And it could be in the in Pakistan, perhaps. It got, you know, for me, you know, it's memories of snakes coming out onto the ground in the old Harvey Murray competition. Yes, and yeah, I've seen that, that a couple of times. I've seen a border collie take off with the ball and we had to chase it to get it back. But uh, what's the most bizarre thing you've seen on a cricket field? 
tough oh, question. Yeah, tough question. There's there's been a few. Um, we've had a a random guy up at Junior Country Week um, riding his bike, talking to himself right across the middle of the pitch while we're midway through the game. Um, he actually he actually hung around. I think he did laps around the oval for about an hour and a half after that, um, but still talking to himself the whole time. So that's probably up there. Maybe he was commentating on the match. I don't know. He, yeah. he might have been doing yeah. his own little podcast yeah. for a we know, um, <laughs> riding across the paddock or something maybe. Who knows? All right. Well, we might leave it on that one because that was a tough question. I'm sure a thousand things will come to your head, uh, you know, later on tonight. Um, but I, I, I'm going to sort of circle into that one and ask a question that's a loaded question. You might have to give some explanation on this one to the listeners. Right. I'm going to ask the question, will Dupa ever make a comeback to cricket? Wow. Okay. Now, we don't want to ruin the dreams of any kid in Western Australia right now. Try the secret. So <laughs> we'll call, I'll call it out. How's that sound? Uh, when Nathan or Kingy was playing in our Harvey team as a youngster, uh, let's say he had some work at GWN. Yes. Met most of our listeners would tune into the GWN regional news of a night time. And at the end, quite often, Duper would... Feature and go to bed and would say good night to yeah. the children of Western Australia. Yeah, and, and you had a fairly close connection with your Duper. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah, we well, very yeah. close. Yes, yeah. very, 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 very close. Yes. So we'll let the listeners oh. work that one out. Perhaps I knew the ins and outs of yeah. it, so to speak. <laughs> Love it. And final question: the question that I think every over forty will have to ask themselves potentially at some stage. I know I have going into the fifties. What is it? The drives you to keep going playing cricket? What, what, what is the thing that keeps you driving, Nathan King, to keep playing cricket? Wow. I'll, that's an interesting question. Um, I think a fair bit of it has to do with the camaraderie, um, whether it is your local club or taking that next adventurous step out into another level of cricket. Um, certainly the, the camaraderie of the people that, are there for the same reason that you are and that's for the love of the sport. Um, and if you can share that memory and that bond with as many people as you can, then that keeps the sport going, that keeps the love of the sport going, that keeps the energy going over 50s, through to over 60s, through to over 70s. I'm now hearing rumours of over 80s <laughs> tournaments. I know. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure that had... 40 years ago and over 40s competition being around for these people, then they would have been chalking up 2,000 games of cricket, 3,000 games of cricket. Um, and in that same token, they're, they're probably expanding their, their cricket network from 16 at club level to 1,016 yeah. across, across their career or across their, their playing life. Good call. Good call. Well, I think that's the perfect way to finish, a great way to um, call to an end, not an end because you're far from at the end, but the journey of Nathan King from the kit at One Peace Street in Harvey who was playing on a pegged out, you know, bit of carpet okay. at the primary school through to coach manager of the Australian over 40s team in a World Cup. It's, it's quite, a, quite a story and quite a journey. So thanks for sharing it today with us, Kingy, on Out on the Paddock and Absolute we wish, wish you well for... 
uh, well, in your case, another 40 years if the over 80s are going to, uh, you know, be the go. Yeah, it'll be 100 not out for the yeah. whole you there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on the uh, on the podcast. Thanks for having me. As we say goodbye to Nathan King and we thank Kingy for joining us today on Out on the Paddock, we're going to cycle somebody else into a seat as we put a lens on veterans cricket and all things veterans cricket here in not only regional Western Australia, but I want to go a bit wider than that in this next conversation. And we're going to welcome to Out on the Paddock, all the way from South Australia, Anthony Telfer. Great to have you joining us on Out on the Paddock. Hey, Rob, love the name of the podcast and it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Mate, uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. We've got uh, a bit to unpack that I think a lot of people are going to resonate with around regional Western Australia because you do have a regional background yourself and we're going to sort of tap into that a little bit as we, we have a chat. But maybe just tell us a little bit to start off with where you are right now and what is your connection with veterans cricket, not only in your state but more broadly. Well, I currently reside in South Australia and uh, I, I've. It's, it's quite funny. You say, what's my connection with veterans cricket? Um, Veterans cricket, with for me, really goes back to probably pre-COVID um, when I was president of Willowfest and I was approached uh, to organise a, a veterans cricket competition in Willowfest. And I was currently, at that time, travelling from Mildura, which is about four and a half hours from Adelaide, across and playing veterans cricket in, in South Australia. But like all things, when you, when you think of veterans cricket, you go, you know what? I don't want to play with all those old blokes. I just <laughs> want to keep playing club cricket. And I'm glad I made the move because at club level, um, it was, it was you know, obviously a really good standard of cricket. You're playing with different age groups and all of that sort of stuff. But then to be introduced to veterans cricket and, and making the move, the standard was probably better than what I was playing at club cricket because I was playing thirds and fourths and, you know, captaining and looking after a whole heap of kids, basically, and babysitting them and, and teaching them the ropes, which I absolutely love. But was it doing anything for me mentally? Probably not. I needed to be a little bit more stimulated and Veterans Cricket was was that provider. And uh, so we ran a, a cricket competition in Mildura. Um, it was a Willowfest Veterans competition. We had a lot of teams from all over the eastern seaboard come and play. Um, and And at that point, I hadn't even played any national competitions. So I was meeting all of these guys, you know, all over 50. In fact, we even had an over 60s uh, division. And um, I, I, I actually played one game in the over 60s, believe it or not, because they were short of a player. And they said, oh, you're really good. You, you, should, you should play for Australia. And I said, well, I'm actually only 53. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, that's my introduction to, to veterans cricket. And from there... I've just taken it on board and it's it's been a passion of mine probably since uh, 2019. Actually, the connection, Rob, and, and I always look for a one degree of, of uh, separation, my first Nationals was in WA. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Perth 2019, yeah. yeah. Great, great tournament, that one. Um, I, and in fact, I think I made a duck in that game and the first game I ever played was against WA and I was caught sneaking off by the keeper, and I think it was Manti that was the keeper. My bat actually hit the ground, and they all went up and appealed. And I didn't even, I didn't even get within a bull's roar of the of the ball, and I was given out. So, 
Uh, that was having, my first ever Nationals game in, in Division One, so a bit of fun. Having bowled a bit over the journey to Brad Mant, he's never shy to go up, whether it's uh, <laughs> no, reali- it realistic or not. But anyway, that's all right. I'm sure he would have wished you well on your way. So, Oh, he definitely uh, gave me a few words and a send-off. But, um, you know, we've become <laughs> friends after that. And that's that's what veterans cricket's all about, is, is creating those lifetime memories and, and mates. Absolutely. So we've we've just heard from Nathan King, who has lived the lived the dream in a very short mm. space of time in the over forty space. Um, mm-hmm. Played at, played one carnival, and then next minute found himself coach and manager of the Australian team in Pakistan, of all places. And what a great uh, story we've just heard from him. Um, f- for some of us, um, perhaps forties is a starting point. Do you think? Do you think? Veterans cricket at 40s is the place to start or is there still that opportunity to to play that role at the club maybe for a while and then slowly move into the 50s and 60s? There's a lot of things that um, people are weighing up around that age, I suppose, you know. So what was it for you that sort of led you to, in particular, go, well, Willow Fest is an opportunity to explore that? Yeah, look, uh, the jury's out on the over 40s for me personally, but because they are a completely different market. Um, mm. Having looked at the 50s, the 60s and the 70s um, in my involvement at board level with uh, Veterans Cricket Australia, the, the 40s are a completely different kettle of fish. And I, and I think I think IMC, which is International Masters um, Cricket Organisation, and, and even the VCA, which is Veterans Cricket Australia, they need to probably consider to tackle it a little bit differently because these guys are still playing club cricket and and they're an important piece in the jigsaw puzzle in that pathway and it would be a shame if those guys left their their local cricket club because they've got so much cricket knowledge to teach the kids that are coming through you know to be involved to be a committee member to be a president to be a treasurer and and I would hate to see Veterans Cricket Australia and the IMC take those people out of clubland because without clubland volunteers and and, and people, I, I I hate to think where cricket might end up here in Australia. So my my view is, let's run these nationals, let's run these um, World Cups, etc. That Kingy was involved in, it, and what an opportunity! But let let's run them, but let's keep it a little bit limited because these guys are starting out in their journey in in veterans cricket. They're currently working. They're, they're finding their way. They've got a mortgage. They've got kids, young kids too. You know, they're, they're kids that are yeah. probably between the ages of five and you know maybe early teenage years. And it's an important part of the whole cricket puzzle. So my view is, let's not overload the forties. Let's not let's not create all of these competitions for forties. You know, with states and nationals and regionals and all of that. Let's just let them play in clubland. Bring them together once a year for a nationals and then send a group of guys off to play in a World Cup and leave it at that. But even it, it's an expensive exercise. As you know, it's self-funded. Mm. So that's my view on 40s. Let's keep it really simple and, and just engage with them as a, as a starting point in that pathway. And we talk about pathway cricket, don't we? Absolutely. Pathway cricket, yeah. pathway cricket uh, for cricketers now can take you through till you die. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when when you and I were playing club cricket, pathway cricket was, you know, becoming a president or a committee member, or for that matter, you know, a, a, a chairperson of a national cricket body like yourself, Rob. 
Well, uh, yeah, look, I totally agree with you. I think there is a lot to consider with the 40s. Um, the 50s, 60s and 70s are, you might say, a little bit more in a uh, different situation. I know from my own journey, I mean, at the age of 40, I won the local cricket Association Cricketer of the Year in A grade. So you know, you're still playing pretty good cricket. <laughs> yeah, exactly 40. right. Some, yeah. some excellent cricketers currently playing. You know, mm. I played my only, you know, recently played my last ever, what will be my last ever club game of cricket at 56. And mm. the journey between 40 to 56 has been really, really exciting from the point of view that you just mentioned, and that is to stay involved with the club be able to still go down to training, you know, be laughed at as the old guy, but yeah. still to be able to be around that environment. And mm. I think that's really important. Back uh, when we started our competition over here called the Masters Carnival back in about 2011, mm -hmm. I wrote a letter to, to the to the WACA, which they passed on to Cricket Australia, that simply asked the question, what happens to guys when they turn, you know, into their 40s in local cricket? Well, the answer, I gave them the answer. Traditionally, they go to goal for bowls. So yeah. why do we let that happen? Because these guys and women now coming through genuinely want to keep playing cricket because they love it. Mm. So mm. I think what you've just said then, I would agree with, and I'm sure the VCA, the, um, the Veterans Cricket Australia, is unpacking that and working through that, which is, which mm. is really encouraging. Tell yeah. me a little bit about... So you went to the, the Nationals here in Perth in 2019 or here in Western Australia in 2019. Did that light a candle to go, I can do more with this? Is that, was that a starting point perhaps? Yeah, look, you hit the, hit the nail on the head and, you know, you, you've seen all of the people that come through veterans cricket, they're all competitive and they all want to win. And, and look, but on top of that, they also want to be mates and, and enjoy the game for what it is that we all also desperately love. But um, we didn't win a game in Perth. Um, we came last, South Australia, and I'd only been involved in the South Australian uh, Veterans Cricket Association for probably eight months, maybe 12 months, and I didn't like coming last. And I knew that <laughs> I knew there were guys in, in Adelaide that were good cricketers but just weren't engaged in the whole concept of this old man's cricket, which is what it was portrayed as to those people outside veterans cricket. People who are already playing know what it offers and know how good yeah. the cricket really is. So so I, I, I went on a mission. Um, I guess probably luckily um, from my point of view is South Australia were awarded the championships the following year um, because the ACT, I think I think it was the ACT or Tasmania could not organise it. And, and so... With my background from Willowfest in organising tournaments for 20 years, South Australian veterans reached out to me and asked me if I would look to run it. So that's where they put that that flame under me and and lit it. And well, Rob, the rest is history. I, I went on a mission. I developed a um, a league here called Silverbacks Premier League, um, which we ran. The biggest problem that was happening in in South Australia uh, was that all of these guys hated each other because they played against <laughs> like, each other yeah. at premier cricket level and, and they didn't like each other. So it was very segregated and, and, and it, was, it wasn't pleasant, to be honest. So, so I created a draft and, and we brought all of these guys that had played against each other as well as bringing in another 30 or 40 guys that had never been exposed to veterans cricket and we created this Premier League and we had 
four franchises. We had four owners. We had a draft. We live streamed it. And we brought some really, really good cricketers. Uh, Richard Gabb was one of them that brought that we brought out. Now, I'm a keeper and I was a Division One keeper for South Australia back in Perth. But I brought out Gabby. And, and since then, Gabby has now embraced veterans cricket. He's played in the Premier League. He, he really excelled. He became captain of South Australia. And then they went on because of what we did and, and travelled. We took the Silverbacks um, all over all over Australia, we went to Queensland, we went to Victoria, we played a lot of games. We developed this culture of mateship. And all of a sudden, all of these guys that hated each other came together as one and became a united front. And the rest, they say, is history. We went on to win Division One and Division Two in Adelaide after never winning a game and struggling to find guys to play. We had five teams. Obviously, it was an advantage being in Adelaide, um, but we developed a, a, a winning and a, and a formula that, that really worked. And, you know, as much as I like to say it was all my idea, it, it was my idea, but the guys embraced it and they came on yeah. board and, you know, it, that's... I don't even know. What was the question? I just went off on a tangent. But no, it was... no, I'll circle back to the, the – no, you haven't gone off onto a tangent. You've answered that really well. I'm going to dig a bit deeper in a moment. But I think I'm going to tangent for again for a minute because I think you've picked up on something that I'd love everybody to hear again, and that is it's certainly here in, in regional Western Australia. The journey of somebody who's now in their 40s or 50s or perhaps even into their 60s has been traditionally through playing for their regions or their associations here in Western Australia in regional WA and competing against other regions at Country Week, Senior Country mm. Week. So we've got mm. guys who've played 20, 30 Country Weeks. Some are legends in, in Senior Country Week. And there is a lot of rivalry there and there's a lot mm. of, of things that have happened on cricket grounds that guys perhaps are struggling to forgive for <laughs> the other bloke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yet... I got to say, as soon as I've seen those same guys come together and put some of that to the the past, it suddenly becomes almost an enjoyable conversation down at the pub that night. You know, when we finish training for veterans, and all is forgiven and forgotten, and we've moved mm-hmm. on. It's the one thing: the competitiveness of veterans cricket remains. There's no issue. Whenever yeah. you go out onto the field to play a game at a nationals. It's good, tough cricket, but there's not that same hatred or I'm going to kill you type mentality that sometimes mm. you do see in club cricket at high levels. So it, it, it's a really good point you've picked up on. I think, you know, mm. what you achieve with the Silverbacks obviously is, is now replicated across most states when mm. they come together. And, uh, and, and that's one of the things that I'd encourage those listening in to consider if you're going, oh, I don't know if I want to go back to that, I, you know, I don't like that bloke or whatever. It rarely <laughs> happens. It re- rarely happens in veterans cricket from my perspective. So just picking up from, I think you're, you're understating, you're very humble, your organisation of the Adelaide tournament that I participated in, Six divisions, wasn't it? I think from memory or thereabouts, five or six uh, divisions. I think, it, I think it was five, and I think there was ten in that fifth division, and and um, it was all Huge. about participate. Yeah, it was. It was. It was Massive. forty-two teams, twenty-one games every day, twenty-one grounds, twenty-one oh, forty-two umpires, lunches, transport. Yeah, look, it was it was an achievement, 
And I guess the worst part, as you're aware, because you're involved, the, the weather intervened very early on. And, you know, we yeah. had a team. I don't know if you were at the, the captain's meeting on that first night. I was, where I, yeah. I, I think I exchanged words with uh, one of the guys from New South Wales who I've since become really good friends with. Um, but he, he gave me a hard time and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm here to play cricket. And if I can make sure that you get a game, that means I get a game. And I think we missed one game. In fact, I don't even think we did miss one game, but the, the first couple of days were pretty tough. I actually had to step out of the tournament to make sure that it all happened. And, and I made that promise to the guy and, and to everyone else in that room that night that we would get every game up and running. And so it was a massive achievement. But you know what? Um, look, I, I, I may have taken all the accolades, but there was a, a group of people behind the scenes doing all the hard work. Um, I just basically steered the ship and... Now, my daughter, Lara, um, was instrumental in making all of that happen. She she was up, you know, till midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock, coordinating buses and grounds and lunches and, and doing all of the stuff that had to be done. So, yeah. What do they That's, say? Behind every good man, there's a good woman. And my daughter, Lara, was that, that woman. She was. And, yes, I must I must admit it was, it must have been extremely challenging that first game. We uh, we were lucky to play at uh, Karen Rolton Oval. Um, very, very <laughs> fortunate. And yeah. I think um, I think we took the covers on and off some somewhere in the vicinity of eight or ten times during the day. We nearly got the game right through um, playing yeah. Victoria, but uh, yeah, the determination to still play cricket and enjoy it was was very evident throughout that whole carnival. Yeah. So from there, I actually, I remember that Rob. That that mm. game, we we actually had to replay it or something because there was a bit of bit of. Um, angst between both teams. and and But you know what, Rob? The best thing about it was I spoke to you and I spoke to the Victorian captain and, and we came together as one and just played the game again. We did. Even, even though, you know, situations might have been different and all of that sort of stuff and people didn't want to play and we just went ahead and did it. We, and that's the great thing about veterans cricket. Um, play hard, play fair. We found a way. Some of my teammates still don't talk to me about it, but anyway, we found a way, so it's all good. Uh, shout yeah. out to Kim Rush and a couple others who uh, still give me a hard time about that one. Um, uh, so, no, very good, um, very good example of veterans finding a way, a really, yeah. really good example. So just, just as we start to wind down, that, that wasn't the end for you though um, because then the next event that happened, and again, I was very, very fortunate to be part of it and uh, I really want to, you know, sort of let our listeners hear how you played a, an important role of taking Australian national cricket to another country in mm. the form of the uh, inaugural over 55s. Carnival and, that, and and again calls out the growth of veterans cricket. We now have over forties, over fifties, now over fifty fives, over sixties, and it continues to grow. But tell us about the other country. Yeah, look, um, having run the nationals in Adelaide, and um, it was a world record for over fifties cricket when we ran Adelaide. Um, there was five hundred and fifty cricketers that came to Adelaide, and I was probably lucky, Rob, because I I had three years to prepare and make that event really special. And, and you know, we had three functions to coordinate as well as, um, you know, the 21 games every day and live streaming of games every day with a complete, you know, broadcasting crew and all of that sort of stuff. So, I was, as I said, I was, I was a bit lucky that I had three years. If I'd only had the 12 months, then half the stuff that we did would never have happened. But I showed what we could do. Um, and because of that, I, 
as a as a cricket administrator, and I know that you're just the same as, as me. You love your cricket and you love your administration and making sure that things happen for people because you want them to enjoy what we do. And I'd, I'd identified that 42 teams is just far too big. And so I went to the VCO board and said, look, we need to cut this in half and we need to create this a new category called over 55s. And believe it or not, on the Friday after the Nationals, I went out for dinner with uh, Pierre Flavel and Andrew Knight, and that's where we hatched this this idea to run a Nationals for a completely brand new age group called the Over 55s, and we decided that we we're going to try and run it in Christchurch in New Zealand. So once again, we'd never been internationally before, so we we picked up our our package, and um, you know Lara came along as well, and she was instrumental in the the South Australian um, event. And we took it to Christchurch and, and we chose Christchurch to do it, one, because New Zealand were involved in the 55s for the first time, but also we wanted to make something special about this new category to make it big, to give it the wow factor, to say, hey, don't just stop at 50s cricket because obviously the Australian representative stuff is going to, as you get older, you're going to start to miss out because all, all the new guys come through. So let's let's try and make a category. Let's make it something special. And we went to Christchurch and we picked up 14 teams um, from every state in Australia. And we all went to Christchurch and you came along and I went along and Nighty went along and and we had an absolute ball over there. And um, it was where I met you for the first time, believe it or not, on the cricket field. It was, yes. And um, that, w- that was actually a very scary moment in my <laughs> cricketing career when it it all went down. Like we ended up in hugging each other and I was worried that you were hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, there were, for those who are listening in who are not quite sure what we were referencing, yeah. um, we had a scenario. It was the last day. Um, West Australia was playing South Australia at a magnificent ground, uh, Hagley Park or uh, Hagley Park yep. number two, I think it was. I think it's called uh, the Nursery Ground. The Nursery Ground, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. spectacular, spectacular ground. And uh, I, I was out batting trying to chase down a really strong South Australian total uh, facing some brilliant bowling, some excellent bowling. Um, well, Tim Sargent was in the team. Australian if you player, Marsh, Marsh, yeah. and um, he he's yep. a former Australian opening bowler. He was, and uh, he 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 was testing me, but uh, managed to tuck a ball backward of point. And those listening in will go, "Well, that's where Rob plays all his shots." But <laughs> tucked the ball backward of point and was coming back for the second. And the player throwing the ball in it, at veterans level had a, str- a strangely strong arm, I think, yeah. uh, and threw it in from the boundary and hit me right in the chest. Now, most in regional WA know that's not the place for Rob Marshall to get hit. We, get we, hit we knew that that was your weak spot, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone down clutching my chest and yeah. uh, a lot of people, including my my beautiful wife, uh, feared for the worst, mm. um, but it all turned out okay in the end, but uh, it was a scary moment, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, don't want to focus on me because this is all about you, but uh, fr- from your perspective, Telf was the over 55 successful, but I know we oh, felt yeah. it was. Yeah, we, yeah, we definitely look, I, I haven't it had, and, and it was funny, I, I, I headed off to Melbourne for the following week to, to play in, in Melbourne and there were people there that heard about New Zealand and what a what a tournament it was, and you know, once again we had wet weather as well. You know that so we did. It was basically copy and paste, and so Lara sought this out, and away she went with Pierre. And you know, there was one game where we played, and I think I think the chill factor was minus seven 
um, mm-hmm. where we were playing. I don't know what it was like where you were, but mm. it was bloody cold. But it was just some of these guys have never played cricket for their for their state, let alone play cu- cricket in another country. Yeah, and yeah. and for the cost, it was exactly the same as going to yep. Western Australia or to Queensland if you you know in the southern states or eastern states. Yep. Um, and you know. <laughs> Rob, I remember the night where we had the meet and greet and we had Richard Hadley speak for half an hour and we, we all walked away. There was photos, there was opportunities to go up and shake his hand and it was just, it was, it was surreal, an amazing wasn't experience, wasn't it? It was absolutely surreal and you called, you called out the chill factor. We were playing Queensland <laughs> on that day. I walked out to bat with us on something around about eight for about <laughs> 70 or whatever and batted for about 20 overs to just make a decent score and I had five layers on. Yeah, I had yeah. five layers on and it was one of those innings that you think, oh, I'll shed a few if I can stay here long enough, which I did, <laughs> but I never shed one of them. It was so cold. It, it was, was free- ridiculous. And, and it was funny you should say, you know, how cold it was and you had five layers on. We had Dave Benson um, from Adelaide and he had, I think he had seven or eight layers. He even had his hoodie on underneath, his playing gear. <laughs> But we played Tasmania and there were people out on the ground wearing beanies. I've never played in a game of cricket where we wore beanies. And I think the next day it was like low, uh, sorry, high 20s and, it and was. boiling warm. Yeah. And, and, and then there were photos of the snow on the mountains that had dumped um, a massive amount of snow that, that, that day while we were playing cricket. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But lifetime memories. For, I think it was about 250 guys that all yep. travelled over there. So, yeah, it was great. It really was. Dom Crognali, our captain of Western Australia, wore two pairs of trousers. <laughs> it was worse than probably playing cricket in England, I think. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Look, we're going to wind this up now. It's been, been great to talk to you. I can't let you go, though, um, Telf, without um, uh, one of the things that, has really caught my attention. I, I mean, nobody can see us talking right now, but I'm standing here with a, a cap on that says the word spirit of cricket. Mm. Um, it's an initiative you've started. It's an amazing initiative and it's really grabbing some attention, but there'd be a lot of people who still don't know about it who are listening in right now. Tell us about spirit of cricket. Yeah, crazy, crazy idea. Obviously, when I left Mildura and I, I, I'd run Willow Fest for 20 years and... and um, I was introduced to an award that was presented, and and I'll be honest with you, I'd never really given much thought about the spirit of cricket because I played hard. I, I I wanted to win. In my early days, I'd abused umpires and the opposition and sledged and done all the things that we've all done. And veterans cricket introduced me to what really the spirit of cricket meant. And and I guess also through my Willowfest days, it was all about the camaraderie and playing hard out on the ground, but then having a beer with the guys at the end of the day. And and so I played a game and they awarded this Spirit of Cricket Award to people. And I think I won it one day and I, I don't even know what I did to, to actually win it. But it caught my attention. I thought, you know what, there's something here. And so I just started developing a logo and a brand and, you know, a Facebook group and a website. And then all of a sudden I'm starting to get people really engaging with me about, what the spirit of cricket meant. And so I, I then delved a little bit deeper and had a look and and started to realise that there were, you know, eight rules to the spirit of cricket and what they they all outlined. And I'm not going to go into detail about them now, but 
Um, and then the people just kept engaging with me. So I developed a range of merchandise, um, which you've, you know, you're wearing now and developed a hall of fame and we induct people into the hall of fame. And that through, through that, that initiative, we, we recognize, uh, people who've contributed to our great game and, and everyone has a story to tell and people go, Oh no, I don't want to do that. And, and we tell their story and then all of a sudden they're getting recognition from all their friends. And so that's, that's a really powerful message. Um, on top of that, though, Rob, we've also now developed a, a spirit of cricket curriculum, yeah. which we're rolling yeah. out into um, schools that have a cricket program, um, and we're doing that in conjunction with the Nelson Twins. Um, I've recently seen a couple of uh, curriculums rolled out um, at Prince Alfred College here in Adelaide and also Ross Trevor, and the kids, um, you know, I've spoken to them afterwards and I've been back and we've... Um, they're really starting to understand what it means. And so we're capturing their attention at the start of their cricket journey and, and hopefully we can make a difference about how people play the game and, more importantly, how they can create lifetime memories out of this game that we love. Um, on top of that, we've also developed a T20 uh, community team, which are all made up of over 50s guys here in Adelaide. We're now playing against the um, Year 12 teams um of which it's amazing you you get to go and play it's similar to the crusade crusaders concept um right. I, although i think that was more involved with coaching and, and but we're actually going there and, and promoting the message of spirit of cricket and, and what it's about about playing fair and respecting the umpires and the opposition and your teammates and the captain and your school teachers but then taking it outside and away from the game it's, yeah. it's about life lessons, and, and that's such a powerful message that, that we're getting across. Um, Brilliant, yeah. And we haven't even scratched the surface, Rob, mm. about where we're heading, and that's the exciting thing. I absolutely sense that, Telf, and uh, I can only see this thing spreading like a, a wildfire across Australia, doing a magnificent job. Can you tell everybody if they want to get engaged or want to sort of see what's what's happening with Spirit of Cricket? What's the best way for, the, yeah, for look, somebody listening in to do that? Yeah, we've got a website, um, pretty simple, spiritofcricket.com.au. Um, we've also got a, a face group, Facebook group um, and also a page. Um, in my early days, I developed a page and then realised that that had limitations and restrictions and all of that sort of stuff, and so I created the group. Um, so if you look for the Spirit of Cricket group, um, yep. we're actually on the verge of having 5,000 members of which, wow. yeah, we've got we've got members all around the world. Um, we've been doing interviews with the over 50s uh, captains last year from the World Cup in Cape Town and um, spoke to, I think there was... I don't know, 12 different captains from 12 different countries. So we've picked up members through there and they're no different to you and me, Rob. You know, they all love our game and they appreciate the message and, and of what we're doing. We've just recently completed the over 40s, which are obviously in Cape Town and um, we'll, we'll just continue to power on. Um, we are taking the brand globally. We've trademarked our logo and uh, we'll continue to push hard and promote and and do what we do and that's you know promoting the message and loving the game that we that we do love. So it's spiritofcricket.com. Also go and dot au um, dot au don't miss yeah. the dot au and no. go and search the spirit of cricket group on Facebook is probably yeah. the best way to engage. Yeah look look yeah. for the black and gold logo. Um, yeah. that it's it's synonymous now and, and look I think I think we're getting 
I think we're getting close to 50 or 60 new members on our Facebook group every single day now. So Wow, it's That's amazing. Yeah, and, and right around the world. We did a couple of interviews. We did one with um, uh, Marlon Fernando, who is an absolute gem of a guy out of Sri Lanka, and, and he shared it. And the video or the, the interview itself, I think, is nearly up to 1,800 views. Um, so okay. some crazy numbers. Um, it's really exciting, and, and we're really looking forward to to what we're about to roll out over the next um, 12 to 18 months globally um, with the brand. And I think the final point that I want to make um, as people listening listen into this podcast is that if you're listening and you're going, look, I just want to get involved with veterans. I don't see myself playing for Australia or whatever. We celebrate that. That's we just mm-hmm. we simply are saying there's that opportunity if you're capable to continue to playing. We in regional WA we're probably batting outside of our crease because we've had the one and only Steve Golan over here from Beverly in, in regional mm-hmm. WA. Everyone knows Steve in regional cricket, uh, vice chair of the WA Country Cricket Board and an absolute legend playing uh, for Australia for a number of years in the over 50s. We've also had Steve Fraser from Collie represent Australia at a, a championships a series in New Zealand many years ago. Mm-hmm. And we've also got Grant Milbank from my very own club, National Cricket Club, right now playing at the World Cup in the over 40s. So some great uh, great examples there of those who can go all the way, but we're here to say we just want to celebrate veterans cricket at whatever level you choose to play at and uh, I'd encourage you to also engage with spiritofcricket.com.au or follow the, the Facebook group. And uh, I think you're going to be inspired. I really do. Hmm. Anthony Telfer, thank you for joining us today on Out on the Paddock. Uh, I'll give you the last word, of course. Yeah, of course. Look, um, you, you touched on something that's really close to my heart and, that, and that's veterans cricket. And there is a place there for everybody. Um, one of the best things about veterans cricket, Rob, is that you can go out and play cricket. You don't have to be a superstar. But the opportunity to make new mates, it's... I tell you what I how I describe veterans cricket. It's men's shed with balls, <laughs> right? So you can go out there and you can play cricket to whatever ability that you are. Whether you can run, whether you can't run, whether you can catch, you you can't bat, you can't bowl, or you can, you will get accepted um, into this men's shed for cricketers, and you will make lifetime memories and lifetime friendships because. The games go, you know, maybe it's a Sunday afternoon um, and you play and you can sit there and you can talk to a, a guy that's in your team while the others are out batting and you can talk about running your business, mental health, marriage breakups, health issues, and someone will be there and have an ear for you and listen to you and it's just the best environment. They will understand. And then they'll talk to you and tell you about all of exactly what you've just been through or talking about. And that's that's the power of, of what we're doing with, with veterans cricket. It's it's more than just a game. It really is. Mate, I can't think of a better way to finish this episode. <laughs> I hope uh, if you didn't quite catch that bit, uh, the beauty of a podcast is you can go back 15 seconds at a time and hear that again. I think you've just encapsulated veterans cricket in a nutshell. Brilliant, Telf. Um, Anthony Telfar, thanks for joining us today on Out on the Paddock. We wish you all the very best with Spirit of Cricket and your continuing journey with the veterans cricket space. We're very thankful for, for people like you 
who are playing such a vital role. So thanks for joining us on Out on the Paddock. Absolute pleasure to be here and thanks for the invite. And thank you to you for tuning in today on Out on the Paddock. We hope you'll continue to tune in and uh, if you get the chance, go in, if you've liked today's episode, go in and rate us on uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, whatever your choice is. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of Out on the Paddock. And as we always say, long live WA Country Cricket. <laughs>